Welcome to Voices of ASEAN, a platform built for you where we connect shakers and movers of this region to one another. Business, lifestyle, people, perspectives, news, and the soul of the people from all over Southeast Asia. My name is Beatrice and welcome to another episode of Voices of ASEAN. Today we're introducing our new series, The Diplomat, where we bring you up close and personal with ambassadors who are connecting their home countries with countries in ASEAN and explore how they are influencing growth in the region as a whole. And we're kicking things off with an interview with His Excellency John Virgo, the British High Commissioner to Brunei. Prior to this, he held various positions at the UK Foreign and Commonwealth Office or FCO, including as the head of the Southeast Asia Department from 2017 to 2020. He was also with the International Crisis Group in 2002 to 2006 and 2007 to 2009, respectively. He has done extensive work on economic diplomacy, finance, counterterrorism policy and climate change. And today, he'll be sharing his insights about the UK-Brunei relations and what's in store for UK's relationship with the region, notably Brunei's neighbouring countries, Indonesia and Malaysia. So joining me live from Brunei here is His Excellency John Virgo. Hi John. Hello Beatrice. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. Nice to be on the show. Very nice to be first in your series. Oh, you. oh, the pleasure is all ours, John. And I, it's, I love the competition, your background. It's wonderful. I can see the UK flag and I can see the Brunei flag. It's lovely. It's the visuals of the relationships between our two countries. Exactly. So, so, John, can you tell us more about yourself and your career in the diplomatic service, in particular the highlights of your tenure so far as a British High Commissioner to Brunei? Yes, certainly. Um, so I've been High Commissioner in Brunei now for about 18 months. Mm -hmm. uh, I was appointed uh, in August 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, a very strange time to take up a new job, of course, in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Exactly. Um, very challenging time to relocate uh, yeah. family halfway across the world. Um, it's fantastic honour to be representing the UK in, in Brunei. Um, being an ambassador anywhere, of course, is a huge privilege, but especially yeah in a country which is with, with which we have such a close relationship and where there's such sort of warmth on both sides. Um, I've been a diplomat in the diplomatic service for about 30 years. And as you said in your introduction, 30 a lot years. of that. 30 years. <laughs> you look so, so young for 30 <laughs> years of service. Thank you. <laughs> Just celebrated my 30th anniversary as a diplomat. Um, and a lot of that's been in and around Southeast Asia. So it's fantastic to be back in the region. Mm -hmm. uh, I started my diplomatic career, in fact, in Jakarta, in Indonesia. Oh, I see. Um, so it's really nice to be in another part of Southeast Asia, another part of the Malay world, which of course you can see so many similarities between yeah. Brunei and Indonesia, but also some really important differences. Yeah. Uh, and even in language um, between the Malay spoken in Brunei and the Indonesian I learned in, in Jakarta. Um, so it, it's been fantastic being here, learning about uh, Brunei, uh, learning about the connections between uh, Brunei and the UK. Mm -hmm. And you asked about highlights. I've yeah. had so many highlights in my time here. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the really exciting things that I've been able to do, of course, 
uh, meeting His Majesty the Sultan for the first time wow. when I handed him my letters and my letter of credentials, uh, mm -hmm. which made me a High Commissioner. Uh, and I've had the honour of some further interactions with His Majesty. So in December, mm -hmm. uh, at the end of last year, mm -hmm. um, I joined him on a visit to the UK. Oh, wow. Uh, and <laughs> went to Downing Street together. Uh, His Majesty met the Prime Minister. Uh, That's so and also cool. at the UK Commando Training Centre uh, out in the West Country, where his son, His Royal Highness Prince Mateen, was graduating from uh, UK Commando Training, an amazing achievement. Mm -hmm. And actually, some of the other highlights have been also around the military relationship, which is so close. They're mm -hmm. going out into the jungle with the, uh, with the British Gurkhas who were stationed in Brunei and the British Garrison it was an amazing experience. And we had a British destroyer uh, in harbour last year as well. Okay. So seeing that amazing piece of kit uh, sailing into Brunei Harbour was, was also a fantastic experience. Well, awesome. But yeah. the best thing I've done since I've been here have been the things where I've been meeting uh, young Bruneians. Yeah. Um, I've met so many sort of really amazing and dynamic young Bruneians. It really gives you uh, a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of faith and uh, excitement for the future of the country and the future of the relationship because they are also uh, still very into the relationship with the UK. Yeah, Brunei is like a very young country generally, isn't it? I mean, the, you have a lot of youth uh, who are very aspirational in the things that they want to do, and even as a country, it's looking at uh, going beyond oil and gas into so many different businesses. It it must be very exciting. There's a lot of synergy, I think, that UK and Brunei can do together based on this, right? I think, it's, I think that's absolutely right. Of course, it's also a very old country as well. And I think um, His, Majesty's, uh, the, His Majesty's dynasty goes back to maybe the 13th century. Mm. Um, so there's a sense of history, as mm. there is, of course, in my country, mm. um, going back many, many centuries as well. But also very much it's a country looking to the 21st century, yes. um, looking to move beyond oil and gas. That's something that we're really keen to help with. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also, of course, a country with the most amazing natural environment. Mm. Um, and I've worked, as you mentioned, a lot on climate change in my, in my career. Mm -hmm. so it's fantastic to be here in a country that maintains over 70% of its primary, primary rainforests. That's exactly. a huge achievement um, and something that we really want to, we want to work with Brunei and build on. Yeah. So before I move on to my next question, something that just struck my mind. I'm sure you'll be able to speak a little bit of Malay because you've been in Indonesia and Brunei. So Could you? Certainly oh. Indonesian quite fluently, but I also know I have to be a little bit careful because sometimes the words don't mean the same thing in yes. Malay or Bahasa Indonesia. Yes. <laughs> well, bravo then. <laughs> So my next question for you, you have described Brunei as the United Kingdom's closest friend in the region. B both countries share very close defense and education ties. You can you tell us a little bit more about the scale of this relationship and some of the hallmarks that has been achieved? So we're really lucky to have such a good friend uh, like Brunei in, mm -hmm. in the region. Mm -hmm. um, and that operates on so many levels. So of course, they're very close royal ties between the two countries mm -hmm. um, and the warmth and affection for the British royal family in Brunei is very mm -hmm. palpable uh, and of course His Majesty the Sultan uh, is a frequent visitor to the UK yep. and a very welcome one. The defence ties you mentioned are really important so Brunei hosts uh, the British garrison which is our most significant 
military base uh, in Asia, mm. uh, and that consists of a battalion of uh, Gurkha soldiers from the UK Army uh, and some other elements as well. Gurkha, uh, oh, the Gurkha soldiers from Nepal? Yes, ah, exactly. Okay. So, as you know, clearly recruits. Oh, yeah. Um, we are the lions themselves. of all warriors. They, they are some of our fiercest soldiers and some of our most amazing yes, soldiers. Absolutely. And They're legendary. They are absolutely legendary. Yeah. Um, the one battalion of Gurkhas has been uh, hosted in Brunei at His Majesty's invitation. Uh, since the 1960s, so that's really so, so amazing. The, sorry, sorry to interrupt, John, but so the battalion is based in Brunei. How many people yes. are there in the battalion? How many Gurkha soldiers? So there's about 700, and then we have some other supporting elements. So mm. we use Brunei uh, for our jungle training. Mm. So we have our, our amazing jungle warfare school in Brunei. Um, so is it like a yes, military base? Is it is it uh, the UK's military base in Brunei? For the Southeast is, Asian region? It is literally our military base in the ah, region. Ah, I see, okay. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so they've been here for what, since uh, the 1960s, so about 50 or 60 years. I see, and that's the only military base for UK in Southeast Asia, in Brunei? It, it's the only one of any size, I would say. Um, okay. We, of course, have uh, military personnel in sort of ones and twos elsewhere, but this is a really significant base. Mm, uh, and we're very proud for hosting us here. Mm, okay, so in Southeast Asia, it's the only one because I couldn't hear this now. Yes, in Southeast right. Asia, it's the only base, right? It, it, it's our only army base, yes. Okay, all right. So it, there was some um, interruption, so I could not hear. I'm sorry. <laughs> go on, go on, John. This is no, interesting. That's the problem with, the, with doing these things virtually, isn't it, Beatrice? Yes, I so know. I was talking about the defence relationship, but there's so much else as well. So the education ties are fantastic. I meet so many young Bruneians and older Bruneians as well, who studied in the UK uh, and had some sort of great experiences there. Mm. Quite surprising when you meet, you know, Bruneians who don't just support Liverpool or Manchester, but support the local teams from you know, some quite obscure yeah. places in the UK where they studied. And also, you know, football is big in this region, John. Everyone loves football, and everyone goes for English football. <laughs> so I, I'm not a football fan, but I also know that people in this region are very keen on. So yes. I have to know a little bit about it. Yes. Um, and also, you find people there because so many Bruneians have been students in the UK as well. They are fond of UK student food, so I hear people talking about their favourite kebab shop or their favourite oh. fish and chip in the UK, yeah, which is really fun. Um, uh, and I'm sure you will know that Bruneians are uh, very much foodies, foods and Oh yes, like Malaysians. Mm. Uh, and Brunei has such amazing food, but it's nice that they like some of the British British food <laughs> that they remember. What is, what is generally the most favourite British food among the Bruneians, you think? Seems to be kebab. Oh. Um, and they're not wrong. But so, so kebab is a British food now? We're claiming it at least. <laughs> How things have changed. I thought it was going to be fish and chips. <laughs> I think fish and chips is probably number two now. I, I read somewhere that the most popular food in the UK is now is now curry, Indian curry. And fish and chips is <laughs> on a couple of places down the rank. I'll vote for the curry. <laughs> yes. Well that's that's yes, that's the globalized world for you, yeah. I guess. Yeah. 
So that that's I think one of the best things in London. It's so globalized. It's like a melting pot of every culture, every you know, every every nationality. So yep, UK is like I mean, a leader in diversity. It enriches British society so much. I mean, <laughs> we laugh a bit about the fantastic food that's come to the UK, and we all know British cuisine was not you know maybe not one of the top cuisines uh, a few you know a few decades ago, but it definitely is now. Um, but also in so many other ways, it's yeah. such an enriched yeah. country that people yeah. from around the world, and especially I'd say from Southeast Asia, um, visit the UK and study in the UK. Yeah. We we welcome from the region, um, and and then some some of the other links I was going to talk about. So um, we'll, I think we're going to talk a bit more about commercial ties later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, um, those, those go back a very long way. But also legal ties. So I'm really interested since I've been in Brunei. Mm -hmm. You know, we share a we share a common legal heritage mm -hmm. um, in in the in the common law. Mm -hmm. uh, and since I've been here, we've been doing lots to strengthen the links between the UK and Brunei judiciary. Mm -hmm. um, so even during lockdown, we've managed to run some uh, lecture series um, between the two judiciaries. I see. Um, so that feels really important. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I, yeah. I missed the first part. Could you just repeat that last sentence again? So I was talking about the common legal heritage yeah. um, and some things that we're doing to um, to strengthen, to nurture and strengthen the ties between mm. judiciaries in the two countries. Yep. Ah, okay. And, and what are those? Any examples of those? Yes. So, from, for example, last year we, we ran a, a small lecture series mm -hmm. with some senior judges from the UK. Of course, in, a normal, in, in normal circumstances, we would have brought them out to Brunei. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. And it's fine at the moment. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of interest, and a lot of Bruneian lawyers, of course, have studied and practiced in the UK yeah. as well. Yeah. So I think those ties are still very strong. Of course. There's a lot of commonalities. Because we were once, I, I'm not sure about Brunei, but I know Malaysia was once a British colony, so there's a lot of commonalities. In, basically, even in, in terms of our, our, our spelling, it's all very British. And then you have the computers who keep changing it because yeah. they Americanize the spelling and we're like, no, no, we, we are talking British English, you know? <laughs> no, I, well, I, that's something of course I like. And it's nice hearing British accents and British, British English yes. being spoken in with, with all English. respect to my American friends. Yes. <laughs> so aside from education and defense, in what areas do you see trade and investment ties between Brunei and the UK improving, uh, John? So, I mean, at the moment, the direct trade links are limited, I'd say, but there are some really important investment links. Okay. Brunei has large investments in the UK mm. uh, and the UK in Brunei as well, particularly through Shell um, and its very long-standing investments in the oil and gas sector in Brunei. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really important. But we were talking earlier about moving to moving forward into the 21st century yeah. and as the world is moving away from oil and gas and we're moving to an energy transition we're really keen to work with Brunei on what's called decommissioning and restoration mm -hmm. of old oil infrastructure so it's turning old oil rigs um, dismantling them uh, and uh, restoring the environment Mm. Um, Brunei's got some very, uh, you know, it's got some great ambitions in that area. We're doing exactly the same in the North Sea, which of course is our oil field. 
Um, so we're, we're happy to share experience and expertise in, in that area. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, so Brunei is, of course, looking beyond oil and gas. But is that Brunei a business has... in itself, John? Like, you know, you're saying that dismantling the rigs and then restoring, is, is that a business in itself now? Is it profitable? Oh, yeah. is, is it? Could you, could you add? Oh. So part of the conditions, I mean, I'm no, I'm no expert on this, but okay. I understand that part of the conditions that oil operators, they're allowed to, op to explore and operate rigs, is that they will invest and pay for the, their dismantling after the end of the, their useful life. Mm. Uh, and that has to be done properly. Mm. Of course, there is iron uh, on the rigs and other materials that can be recycled. So you don't mm -hmm. want to just abandon it mm -hmm. um, and then also important to make to make the environment good again mm. so there's very much very much a business there i see, uh, and I see. The, UK is, the uk is probably at the uh, at the forefront of that business i see okay and that's the kind of uh, uh, technology that's brought over to brunei too I, i'm assuming exactly. yeah exactly so and like the uk brunei has some quite old infrastructure mm -hmm. um, which is ready for ready for dismantling and and restoration and reconstruction. Mm. Mm, I so I think I think that's really interesting. Of course. We're looking at again moving beyond oil and gas, uh, how we can work with Brunei around renewable energy mm -hmm. um, and other aspects of the energy transition. Mm -hmm. So one of the one of the really exciting things that happened last year, of course, was the climate conference in Glasgow, mm -hmm. uh, COP26, mm -hmm. and a lot of um, ASEAN countries were there making some really important commitments mm -hmm. around committing to reaching net zero emissions uh, mm -hmm. and committing to move away from coal, for example, mm -hmm. uh, as well as to protect and restore the forests. And Brunei made those commitments as well. Mm -hmm. So Brunei uh, is also on a course to net zero emissions by mid-century mm -hmm. and there's some a lot of opportunities that come with that to build mm -hmm. new industries mm -hmm. uh, to rethink the way the economy works to create new jobs for the future yeah um so that's an area we're, we're really interested in as well mm -hmm. and then looking at other areas of brunei's economic blueprint you know mm -hmm. they've thought very hard about the transformation that they want in their economy and some of these are areas where the uk Mm -hmm. is really keen to be involved so around digital for example mm -hmm. uh, and around the service sector mm -hmm. islamic finance so the mm -hmm. uk is london is now a major global center for islamic finance yeah so we're working with brunei and other countries in that sector oh, yeah. as well that's true um, right and then i think the last thing i'd mention of course is um brunei is a member of cptpp the big international uh, multilateral trade agreement mm -hmm. and the uk applied to join cptpp next uh, last year mm -hmm. so fingers crossed if we're successful with that um we and the other members of cptpp including brunei will have more trade opportunities in the future okay well, what are the details of this trade agreement for brunei yes yeah, so, so so this cptpp stands for the it's a long uh, it's a mouthful <laughs> cp yeah it is for the partnership it's horrible <laughs> yeah can can you can can i can you see it again i'm trying to catch it cp so what we had what was originally approved was called the tpp the yeah that i know tppa right yeah yeah the trans-pacific erica pulled out of it so yeah. they reconstituted it as the comprehensive and progressive partnership for trans-pacific partnership oh cpp tpp right. wow 
it, you, it's one of these things that you really have to practice saying before you can hit trips off the cuff. PPTPP. Anyway, the acronym doesn't matter. Right? Yeah, yeah. The important thing is, I think, about 15 countries um, from Asia, uh, from the Americas, uh, and now the UK has also applied to become a member, mm -hmm. um, who have agreed to reduce tariffs, uh, to work together to, um, to increase trade. Okay. and reduce the barriers to trade. Mm -hmm. So it's a fantastic opportunity to, to take forward our trade yeah. relationships. How, what, are they, what are they committing to increase trade? Because I think it's excellent, but how are they, what are the criteria that is part of this to increase the trade and reduce the tariffs? So the, between the countries, <clears throat> a, a multilateral trade agreement. So, so it's a free trade agreement, basically. Okay. Mm -hmm. Instead of just being between two countries, it's between a larger group of countries. Mm -hmm. And we all agree if the UK it succeeds, but the members agree to reduce tariffs, mm -hmm. uh, to reduce other barriers to trade, mm -hmm. maybe to recognize qualifications in different countries mm -hmm. uh, and to recognize standards from different countries mm -hmm. and other things that facilitate international trade. Mm -hmm. And of course, for us, you remember that we left the EU just a few years ago. Yeah, Everyone yeah. remembers the Brexit yes. debate. Yes. Um, <laughs> As part of that, we said that we want to promote free trade globally to reach new trade agreements yes, yes. with markets from around the world. Yes. Uh, and part of that is applying for membership of, of this trade agreement. Yeah. But I think has Brexit been good for Britain? And I know it's a side question, but has it been good? It is a that is a very controversial subject, uh, and you'll hear, you'll you'll hear different views from different sides of the political debate. Yeah. Um, I suppose, you know, as a, as a diplomat, I wouldn't comment on the politics, <laughs> but I think what I would say is that yeah. Brexit is now done and dusted, yeah. uh, and we are determined to make a success of it and to move forward. And I think one of the positives that it's had is that it has really uh, stirred us to look at other parts of the world yeah. and to deepen our yeah. relationships, I would yeah. say especially with Southeast Asia. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we said at the time that Brexit That's what I was happened, thinking, yeah. Was that it would lead to us deepening our relationships with the Indian yeah. Pacific. It, it, Southeast it, Asia it, is right at the centre of that. Yes. I, I, really I agree like with you. Much. I agree with you. I think Brexit is good for Southeast Asia because then Britain has more attention with us, focus for this part of the world. Yes. So, yep. <laughs> That's absolutely true. And if you look at the things that we've been doing over the last two or three years, yep. um, been a real deepening of our, uh, of our engagement in yes. Southeast Asia. Yes. The big thing that happened last year, and the big highlight of my year in Brunei, of course, was the UK becoming a dialogue partner yeah. uh, of ASEAN. Yeah. And Brunei was ASEAN chair last year. So oh, it was really yes. I felt like I was on the spot when that, when that happened. Yeah. Um, and that's really important. ASEAN is such an important institution. Yeah. It's such an important part of the rules-based order. Yeah. Uh, in Asia, and I'd it say is. beyond as well. Yeah. Um, so we are really keen to be a dialogue partner in order to strengthen ASEAN uh, and to reflect its importance uh, yeah. in, in that sort of multilateral space. Of course, also, we think the partnership between the UK and mm. Southeast Asia is already strong. Yeah. Um, being ASEAN dialogue partner will help us strengthen it even further. Yeah. And we've got really ambitious plans to do that. Oh, fantastic. Looking forward to hearing more soon. But talking about what you're saying, it's a, it was in August last year, I think the UK became the an ASEAN dialogue partner with Brunei as the yes. country coordinator for ASEAN-UK dialogue relations. Now, what role does Brunei play in this to help enhance 
the UK-ASEAN relations. So I think the first thing to say is we're really grateful to Brunei for their support uh, of our application to become dialogue partner and, and to all of the ASEAN countries as well. It was a consensus decision and uh, we have very good relationships with all 10 ASEAN countries, but it was particularly nice that it happened during Brunei's chairmanship yeah. uh, and Brunei, His Majesty personally, were very supportive. So um, we, we're really appreciative of that. So it was really nice that it was Brunei that was yeah. chosen to be our country coordinator. Each ASEAN dialogue partner has a country coordinator and that's sort of their, it's their sort of link point into ASEAN. It's the country that they go to first okay. when they need to talk about um, their relationship with ASEAN. Mm -hmm. um, and so, for example, when we have meetings with ASEAN and the UK together, it will be Brunei who will be the sort of coordinator for that. Mm -hmm. um, Brunei is also the country we're working with in working out our plan of action, which is basically our five-year plan mm -hmm. for how we're going to work with ASEAN and how we're going to deepen our relationship. Mm -hmm. um, so it's great that uh, Brunei's, Brunei's got that role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the relationship with ASEAN, I think, is it, it's very much not, you know, you have a relationship with ASEAN or you have a relationship with the member states. They are, they are self-reinforcing. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really good that we have that, that ASEAN relationship. It reflects, you know, a relationship that I think is already deep across the region and all the things that we already do with the members mm -hmm. of Southeast Asia, whether that's cooperation on serious mm -hmm. and organized crime, or mm -hmm. it's cooperation around trade, or it's our development program uh, in, in certain Southeast Asian countries. Mm -hmm. um, but the ASEAN partnership brings it together. It should sort of support and dynamize those relationships. We've got, we think there's lots more that we can do mm -hmm. working with ASEAN and its member states mm -hmm. uh, in areas like recovery from COVID, mm -hmm. um, growing the trade relationship, as I said. Mm -hmm. uh, climate change is a really important part of the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, maritime security and maybe mm -hmm. cyber security. There's yeah. all these exciting areas where yeah. we can work together yeah. uh, and the dialogue partner will give us a platform to do that. Mm, I see. Uh, as a representative of the United Kingdom here in Brunei, you've spoken about Brunei and UK, but in your own opinion, uh, John, how important is this region to the UK? Because you, you deal with countries, you're a financial hub. The United Kingdom is a financial hub of the world, and you have business in every part of the world, but how important, in, in that perspective, how, in comparison, sorry, how important is ASEAN uh, to to the United Kingdom as a as a future that they want to build with? I would say very important. I mean, yeah. our historical relationship, of course, goes back a long way, yeah. um, particularly to certain countries in Southeast Asia. And we, ha we have very strong trade relationships. So I think before COVID, COVID you know, figures for the last couple of years are pretty uh, unreliable or meaningless, but pre-COVID, um, two-way trade amounted to something like 40 billion yeah. UK pounds. Yeah. Um, there's obviously scope to grow that very substantially, and, and that's that's what we're planning to do. Um, we published last year um, something we called our Integrated International Review, which is basically our, our international strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and the headline in that was uh, that we were committing to a tilt to the Indo-Pacific. So a tilt, of course, doesn't mean that we abandon our relationships and our interests in Europe and other parts of the world, because that would be, that would be foolish and 
we we are we remain a European country even if we're not a member of the EU of course yeah. um, and we have interests around the world as you said but I think we very much see this uh, as a time when we are committing to deepen our engagement in the Indo-Pacific um, and Southeast Asia is at the centre of that and ASEAN in particular because mm -hmm. ASEAN is the right at the centre of all the multilateral relationships yeah. uh, mm. in, in Asia um, it's such a booming economy. It's such a young economy as well. And you were saying that earlier as well. Yes. So the sort of opportunities for the future are, are, are amazing. And I think that spans, you know, across the people to people links. It spans the, the prosperity space where you know, we are very keen to, to, to deepen our, our trade and investment relationships, but also a lot of newer issues as well. So climate change, I said, really important, yeah. really important area of cooperation. Of course, um, Southeast Asia is such a fast growing region. Yep. Use of energy is growing fast. You have very important forests, which yep. are important places for storing carbon. So there's no solution to a problem like climate change that doesn't involve Southeast Asia. Yeah. Um, and similarly around things like uh, digital and emerging tech standards and so on, we're doing a lot more in Southeast Asia mm -hmm. than previously around science and technology cooperation, um, you know, building on our very important science base, but also the amazing science work that's being done in Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. um, and then also around just respect for the rules-based system and, and regional security. Mm -hmm. um, so Southeast Asia sort of feels like a really important in that respect because yeah. ASEAN as a grouping of equal nations, all of whom are committed yeah. um, to, to freedom, to the equal rights of all nations, to cooperating mm -hmm. together, to the rule of international law. Mm -hmm. um, and we know around the world that there's some, there's some strains and stresses on, on the international legal order. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons, uh, one of the important aspects of our relationship with ASEAN is working together. We're very like-minded in that respect, mm -hmm. very like-minded in our commitment to, um, to economic and trade liberalisation mm -hmm. as well as respect yeah. to the international yeah. rule of law. Yeah. Um, so for all of these reasons, I think there's so much that we can be doing together between the UK and Southeast Asia. And it really, I think the, the, the lesson of the last five years is that the UK is really committed to this relationship and to this region. Excellent. Thank you so much for that, John. That was so eloquent and informative. I think Brunei is very lucky to have you as the ambassador from UK to Brunei. So thank, thank you so you. much. <laughs> thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience? I, I think we've, Rain, rain, ranged really widely. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. We did. So, so thanks for your stimulating questions. It it's was been really fun. It was such stimulating answers too. Thank you so much, John, for yeah. joining us today in Voices of ASEAN. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and our website uh, to keep up with to keep up to date with our upcoming shows. Voice of ASEAN thanks you for your time, and we'll be uploading a recorded version of this dialogue in our portal for those who missed it. Thank you.